Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to the Soul Medicine Psychic Podcast. I'm your guide, Bernice Bisson. I have been a professional psychic, medium, and astrologer for 30 years and have read for thousands of people all over the world. Many of those readings have been recorded by my clients. In this podcast, I invite clients back to share their recordings as we flash back, we get to listen in on some of the original predictions, and, in their own words, share some heartwarming stories, a few inspiring outcomes, and some unbelievable accuracies. I invite you to join us for a new journey each episode and come experience a little soul medicine for yourself. Something in the air, always something in the air. And in this episode, I'm going to talk about one of my most blessed stories in my entire career as a psychic. This is a spiritual journey that invited me unwittingly in early 2004 through my work with Women's Resource Centers. It brought me to a temple in Manitoba to meet the Sai Baba. Now, I'm a passionate feminist and I have spent 25 years advocating for women's safety and economic security. However, this journey began at a temple in the middle of a chilly November prairie landscape in Manitoba and took me across the world to New Delhi, India, 10 years later, palm reading in small villages and participating in temple prayers and teachings and having a private audience with Devinder, the son of the Maharaj. In a Sikh temple belonging to the Maharaj Persing, where I had the most glorious spiritual experience that has taken me years to decipher all of its meaning, and you get to hear all about this journey right after this. Have you ever thought, I'd love to have a podcast just like this one? Well, I can help. My name is Matt Kundal, and everyone at my company, the Sound Off Podcast Network, had a hand in making this show. Whether it was about the sound, the discoverability, or that you're just enjoying the show, we are all about the detail. If you think you have a podcast in you, reach out to me via email, matt at soundoff.network. Or check out the website and become one of the great podcasts we work with at soundoff.network. Something in the air, something in the air. Welcome to the Soul Medicine Psychic Podcast with your guide, Bernice Besson. Welcome back. I'm going to begin this story, November 2005, North End Women's Center. I was the director there and I was working on a particular project, one called Peace Begins at Home. And it was a project that brought mothers of opposing youth gang members together 
And in this project, over a few years, we were able to knit some fences, so to speak, in this project. But what this project brought to me was a particular lady, and she had cut hair for women once or twice a month in the community who couldn't afford haircuts, and she'd come into the center and she'd cut hair. And this lady says to me one day, she says, I'm told I'm supposed to invite you to meet the Sai Baba. And I'm like, I don't understand who the Sai Baba is. She goes, well, there's a man who's going to come and he'll prepare you to meet Sai Baba. And I said, okay. So we very shortly thereafter met. And I met with a man by the name of Vijay, who is a professor at the University of Manitoba. And in this meeting, he said he was here because the Sai Baba requested that I attend this temple. And I really didn't know who the Sai Baba was, so being invited was kind of an oddity for me. And he said, you're invited to come. I'm just here to prepare you and ask, you know, answer any questions. And he said he's going to manifest in a temple near Stonewall. I said, manifest? What do you mean manifest? Like take a plan and he's showing up. He says, no, he's going to manifest in this temple. And your name, he wanted you there. I don't understand. He said, well, if you can imagine as a Christian, he said it would be like Jesus Christ. You're telling me I'm meeting your Jesus Christ. And he invited me and he said, yes. And I said, I don't understand why. He says, you'll understand more when you go. I said, okay. So in that, I asked if I'm going to meet your Jesus Christ, can I bring my mother? And he says, your mother? And I said, well, my mom is very ill and she's waiting for a kidney transplant or dialysis at the Health Sciences Center. And she's very ill and she's turning septic quick. We're running out of time. And if you're telling me I'm going to meet your Jesus Christ, can I bring my mother for whatever purpose it might serve? And he said, absolutely. And so come November 2005, I get my mother from the Health Sciences Center and I prepare her to bring her to this temple. Now, I guess my question and other questions were, who is the Sai Baba? Well, it's the Satya Sai Baba. He's known as the Man of Miracles and he was born in Puttaparthi, India in 1926. At 14, he claimed to be the reincarnation of Shirdi Sai Baba, who died in 1918. He is the second of three Sai Babas, and his devotees believe the next to be Perma Sai Baba in a new incarnation. Now, Sai Baba left his home to serve through his spirit to his devotees, and there are many accounts of Sai Baba's abilities and manifestations. And dare I say miracles? Well, back to my mom. My mom was in the hospital, not well enough to go on dialysis or get a kidney transplant. She had struggled with diabetes from a very young age. And at this point, she was quickly turning septic and we were running out of time. So I prepared her. I told her, look, I've been approached and I'm supposed to be meeting the Sai Baba. And I asked if I could bring you because I know you're not well. Now, my mother was a deeply religious Catholic woman, very, if you walked into her home, there were shrines of Mother Mary and Jesus Christ throughout her house. And so she was very kind of the superstitious religious woman <clears throat> and deeply believed. And she said, okay. And so I took her out of the Health Sciences Center and we went to go meet the Sai Baba. 
And I figured, well, since he's Christ-like and he can apparently manifest and perform miracles, it's worth a try for sure. So I took her from the hospital room and I drove out to the temple near Stonewall, Manitoba. It looked like a house when we arrived, this big stucco, about 4,000 square foot, kind of newly built house. But when we went in, there's this lady who immediately met us and she gave us each a scarf, a sari to wrap around our heads in respect for the temple. We were amazed what we walked into because on the outside from this sort of, you know, stucco house, when we walked in, the house inside was converted into a temple and it had a large gathering area with pillars from ceiling to floor and a beautiful wood carved shrine inlaid with gold leaf with a throne, so to speak. It had a kitchen area and a mezzanine with a series of closed doors down the hall. There was about 80 to 100 people there. No one I recognized and no one spoke English. We were appointed to sit on the women's side of the temple. I hobbled my poor old mom over there and sat her down on the floor and we were all kind of squished in nice and tight and sitting cross-legged, which was really difficult for my mom. So a lady came and gave her some pillows to put her little bum on and, and sit down comfortably. And as we kind of sat there and just kind of looked around, we didn't know what was coming. And suddenly we heard clapping and singing. People began singing and sitting in the temple. They started to stand and we started to see something sort of appear at the mezzanine, the, the this top of the stairway. And then this man showed up among the people there. I was a bit mesmerized because this man had this orange what I would say monk's robe from neck to floor, kind of the straight monk's robe. And it was this bright orange monk's robe. And he had this large afro. And he was a smaller man, slighter, I guess, in my eyes when he was at the top of the stairs. But as he came down the stairs, he was pulling things out of his hair and he was waving his hand around and he was opening his hand and producing things in his hand. And I, at first, was, I was a bit stunned by that. And as he kind of proceeded down the stairs among the group of people, he would continue to wave his hand and open his hand and give each person a little item. And at first I saw what looked to be powder, like ashes. And then there were candies, these shiny candies. And then there were rice and flowers. He was manifesting these little trinkets and items out of his hand. And at first I thought, he's got to be hiding that somewhere in his outfit. I, what, what's going on here? And as he proceeded down the stairs and the clapping and the chanting was entrancing and it just seemed like it was, it was getting louder and louder and he was joining in. And as he descended the stairs and he produced these objects, you could feel people just getting more and more excited. And as he walked down through the crowd. He presided up the aisle that separated the men and the women with these large columns on either side. And he presided up the aisle and he went to go sit in this beautiful sort of wooden carved chair with beautiful inlaid gold leaf and stuff. It was absolutely fantastic. And he sat in this chair and he sang and he clapped and he chanted what felt like for about 45 minutes. And it felt like a very joyous chants and prayers and my mother and I didn't know what to do except just kind of clap along and soak up the sights and sounds that were around us and we weren't sure what he was producing now after about 45 minutes he got up and he started to walk through the crowd 
And people continued to sing and clap. And you can feel it was joyful and loving. I just felt that way. And when he stood up and came through, he didn't go down the aisle this time. He kind of came in through the people. And very quickly, he wound up in front of us. He must have been about a foot away from me. And he turned to me and he said, telepathically, what do you want? And I looked at him and in my mind, I said, I want my mom to be healed. And suddenly he manifested rice from his hand and poured it on my mom's leg and opened his hand and gave me a candy. And I quickly popped it in my mouth and watched with a mix of skepticism and amazement as he continued to bless people through the crowd. And this went on for at least what felt like an eternity, but might've been only 20 minutes. And he went through and he was doing different blessings with people. And I, I didn't understand the context or how he picked or how he just wound up with them, but it seemed that he would telepathically say the same thing to them in their mind. And he would produce or manifest this object specific to them, which I thought was amazing. And then as he proceeded through the aisle back up to his shrine He began singing, clapping, and chanting again with exuberance. And much like a communion in a Catholic church, people began to processional up the aisle and would go up to him and kiss his foot or his hand. And each time he would produce an apport of some kind. Some were shiny objects that looked to be like jewelry or coins, and some were rice and candies. And so we all proceeded to walk back up the aisle. And I went back up the aisle. I kissed his foot and he produced for me another candy. I popped it in my mouth again right away, just like a, an excited child. And I popped it down. I went back and I sat with my mom and I, I sat just in awe watching this go on. And then he began to sing and clap and chant again after people have presided up. And then he got up and he walked back up through the crowd and he was giving blessings and touching people's head, waving his hand over their head or touching their shoulder. And he'd walk up back through the crowd up to the mezzanine and then he disappeared into the crowd that were standing there. And we kind of sat there and weren't sure what just happened. And then this flurry of ladies came out with trays of food and it turned into a feast. These ladies just kept coming with their plates of food and dishing more food for us. And we ate and ate and ate, and it was absolutely delicious. And as we left, we unraveled our scarves and we left them at the door and we thanked our host and we drove back towards Winnipeg to the hospital. And as we did, we sat in silence because we weren't sure what we just saw. I was really overwhelmed with all that I witnessed that evening. And it took me really until now to start to understand the power of spirit. Here's the miracle. I returned her to the Health Sciences Center within 36 hours of that visit with the Sai Baba. My mom's levels came up and she was strong enough to get on dialysis. The catheter was in and her routine began. She lived nine more years because of it. And in fact, got to see her great-granddaughter before she passed in 2015. That gift of life emanated from that bit of rice that the Sai Baba poured on her leg that fateful November evening. Fast forward to April 24th, 2011. Six months earlier, I opened my metaphysical tea crystal shop in Winnipeg, and I was sitting watching the news one evening and discovered on international news that the Sathe Sai Baba had passed. 
Now, remember, I still at this point really didn't fully understand what exactly happened that fateful November evening back in 2005. But I was amazed that millions of people gathered to mourn his passing as I watched the processionals on the evening news. This is where it starts to get weird. Only a few months after, a woman appears in my shop on Narran Avenue and seems a little bit off, a bit angry under the facade. Anyway, she says she's an astrologer and has studied in India for the last 20 years and moved back to Winnipeg from India and has brought back a good stock of teen crystals and she disclosed she wanted her own shop and didn't want to be in Winnipeg. And I agreed to buy some of her inventory and offered her an opportunity to work as an astrologer from the shop if she needed a temporary perching spot. In this conversation, though, what really perked my ears was when she said she was a bit upset because before her Swami died, he asked her to return to Winnipeg to sell everything. She said she was a student and a devotee of the Sai Baba. I'm like, no way. The guy with the orange monk robe and the big afro who performs miracles? I saw he recently died and was amazed because I met him in a temple here in 2005 and he healed my mother. She stopped me and said, it's impossible, because he hasn't left India since 2004 and he was in a wheelchair. I'm like, no, pretty sure it was the same guy. And I proceeded to tell her the details of what transpired and what Vijay told me when the Sai Baba would appear, he would manifest. And that I even asked Vijay, you mean fly here, he said. He said, no, manifest. And he was very particular about that. And in this conversation, I even called my mom to have her tell this lady what happened. She proceeded to explain that I had no idea who I met and his power. She even went to go get her pictures to confirm it was him, not an imposter. I mean, the stuff he did that night was amazing in itself. Not just some guy in a costume, you know? Well, she imparted a small package of ashes he produced before he died. It was a mystical, tiny little envelope with writing on it. And it looked to be a prayer of sorts and inside some ashes. And she asked me to keep these with me and share them with who needs powerful healing. She said they're incredibly powerful and that I'm to carry them around. And I did for several years. Well, she was the first of several Sai Baba devotees that I've crossed paths with since meeting him that fateful November evening. And each time I have found out that they were devotees it's because I've interacted or given them ashes, which I thought was very interesting. The first lady that blows in the door of the shop hurried, blustered, and upset again. Lots going on for this other lady. So after the reading, which was a heavy session for her, and in my head I heard, give her some ashes, I asked her to put out her palm, and I dabbed each of them and said, this is for your healing and protection. She says, what are these? I said, it's ashes from the Sai Baba. She began to cry. She said, I'm a Sai Baba devotee, and that's a sign from him for her to keep going. I was amazed. You see, I had never heard of him before this invitation to the temple in 2005. I had no idea. Never met anyone who even mentioned him. Now here's two people in a matter of weeks. Shortly after this session, I had a session with one of my favorite rabbis, and he is a lovely gentleman who loves the exploration of spirit. And after our reading, I asked him for some guidance because this had been stirring with me since all of this has been unfolding. I explained to him my encounter with the Sai Baba and what transpired. Rabbi was astounded at the story and asked me if I realized who I met. 
And I want to know why. That was my only question. How did he know it was me? Why did he invite me? These are the questions I was asking the rabbi. I mean, someone who never even knew his existence. Why wouldn't you just invite your devotees? The rabbi said, God sees your heart. You know, B, you could have asked for anything when he asked you. You could ask for a million dollars. You could ask for a red truck. But you didn't. You only asked for your mom to be healed. Oh, a wave of understanding washed over me. <laughs> One of many waves Sai Baba has bestowed upon me along this journey. Months later, a man comes into the shop for a reading. His energy is reserved, cautious, a little skeptic. He says that his daughter referred him and that he only has one question for me. What is his spiritual path? I meditated on his question for a moment and grabbed a piece of paper from my notepad and wrote a name, Madaraj. Madaraj says you're going on a journey east to an island at the ocean and you're building a temple. You are sick. But be still, be quiet, my child, for my temple is everywhere, from every drop of the ocean to every grain of sand, and every nut on this tree, I am here. My temple is here. I am. He asked me how I knew that teaching, because the text isn't translated yet. I said, I didn't know, but the man on the paper did. The man on the paper wears white, a white beard, a kerchief turban on his head. He is where you are going. Trinidad, he said. The man said, that is where he's going. And he was building a house there for his wife to be with his sisters because he had stomach cancer. And this message was important. And his daughter was the woman I shared the Sai Baba ashes with on her palms. And he couldn't believe that I did that. So he came to see for himself. And so I shared some ashes with him before he left. A few months later, a good friend of mine from the Women's Center came by to ask if there were any openings at the shop for a friend of hers coming to town who's an artist and a reader. I said, come by with her, and she can read for me as part of her interview. I sat down with the Prudential Reader, and the first thing she says to me is that I have a very powerful entity right now guiding me, and I need to listen because he's asking one question, what do I want? Well, my mouth fell open because since the Sai Baba's passing, he keeps manifesting in my life through people. And that was the only question he asked me. In fact, it's the only thing he has said to me. I tell her this and tears well up in her eyes. And she goes on to say, I'm a Sai Baba devotee and you will encounter four beings like the Sai Baba. He is one and there are three more. Well, now, this is the part of the story where the Madaraj comes in. Turns out, he's also a bit of a miracle man. That's part two, my journey to India. Now, we're going to fast forward to late 2013, so we're going to keep going. So, late 2013, my very good friend calls me. He is distraught because his friend and business partner died and it left him with some financial and legal issues with a particular property development project. However, he just met a new business partner, ironically with the same name as the deceased partner, and wanted me to meet him and do a reading for him to see if they should work together. So they come over for tea and I read this man. 
Now here's where it gets weird again. In this reading, I see the same man as before, the Maharaj. Annie says that he is going to California to tie a red ribbon around a woman's hand, but she is sick and it may not work out for their marriage. Turns out he was going to meet a fiance in California and she had recently been diagnosed with cancer and wanted to marry right away. And that the man I was talked about who was telling me this information was his grandfather. I was like, what? He pulled out his phone and swiped through some pictures and pulls out a picture of the man in my vision. Even more, the same man appeared to his fiancée as well with the red ribbon in a dream. I told him of my earlier encounter with the man in the picture, and he says, how do you know that message? I said, he told me in the reading. He even made me write his name down on the paper. Madaraj Persing is his name. He said, I'm a descendant and I'm going to India because there's a celebration called Neklank Har Shabad Bandar in May 2014 because Devinder is there at the temple. Devinder, the translator of the text, the same text I told that man two years prior. He said, if you say what's true, then my family will bring you to the celebration. Well, guess what? He shows up in May to prepare me for my trip to India. Well, that's part two. And we'll get into that. Now, I'm here in 2022 recording this. And over all of this time, I encountered only one other person, aside from my mom, who was in that temple that fateful November day in 2005. He was an associate of a friend we briefly met at a birthday party. I'm not sure how we got on the topic of the Sai Baba, but when he mentioned a temple near Stonewall, I was like, yes! He said, I should not be surprised by what I saw that day. Sai Baba is very powerful. And him and I were very blessed to be there that evening. It was reassuring for me to have confirmation that what I witnessed indeed happened, because I have to tell you, it just felt stranger and stranger as time went on. And I thought I would understand more, but I understood less and that I needed to ask more questions. Recently, my neighbor and I connected out my front garden as she was going to a local book exchange cupboard. You know, the type you see in neighborhood nooks, with random selections of books to exchange and you open the cupboard and you leave some and you take some. As we were talking, one of the books fell out for the exchange out of her hand and falls to the ground. Ah, and if it isn't a book called Sai Baba Man of Miracles, she says, you want this book? To my surprise of all the books, I say, why would you ask me that? She says, I don't know. I just thought you might like it. I said, you're never going to believe this, but I met him in November 2005 and he has changed my life. This book was originally printed in 1973, and I'm amazed at the similar accounts from people just like me who encountered the presence of the Sai Baba. I'm amazed and grateful because I got extra time with my mom, and she got to see her great-granddaughter, all of which would not have happened literally within days of that fateful meeting had she not met him. And so I'm always thankful, and I always continue to ask, what do you want me to do, Sai Baba? What is it that you need me to see? And every time he shows up in some manifestation, I feel like I'm being prepared for the next level. And he brought me to the Maharaj. And I'm going to talk about my trip to India because it absolutely solidified so many ideas and thoughts and dreams 
and things that have presented themselves since the Sai Baba had entered my life. And I will share all of that with you in an upcoming episode. Thank you. And thank you for listening to the Soul Medicine Psychic Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and found nuggets of wisdom and magic, please leave us some stars in a review or share it with someone you think would enjoy it. If you're a previous client and would like to share your story on the show, please contact us through the website. Until next time, stay safe, stay well. So many years has gone by But I think about you, about you all the time Thanks for joining us. For social media links and to book an appointment with Bernice, visit BerniceBissonPsychic.com. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it. Remember, spirit has your greatest good at heart. Your soul is light and you are valued. I'm Andrea Askowitz. And I'm Allison Langer. And we are the hosts of Writing Class Radio, a podcast, but we are so much more. We have writing classes. So if you are looking for live online classes where you can join a community, write to a prompt, get feedback, and get better, check out all our classes at writingclassradio.com. And listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts and at writingclassradio.com.